What's up, everyone? Welcome to the latest episode of Note to Scene. This week, we got news from Beartooth, My Chemical Romance, Atreyu, a radio rundown, and part two of our deep dive on the story of From First to Last. I want to give a quick shout out to Shelby and Simon over at 94.3 The X in Colorado for giving Note to Scene its official radio show. So every Saturday night from 8 to 10 p.m. local time, they play a ton of scene shit, old and new, as well as a rundown of the podcast and go over the past week of scene news. If you want to check it out, you can download the station's radio app. Just search 94.3 The X in the App Store and tune in this Saturday. As always, you can listen to every song mentioned during the episode on the Note to Scene Spotify playlist. And if you have any comments, questions, or requests for deep dives, email me at notetoscene at gmail.com. All right, let's get started. So Beartooth performed a drive-in concert in Wisconsin last Friday night. I had a couple of friends who were on the ground for the show, and they both said it was a wild experience. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and we went to drive-in movies all the time during the summers, and from what I can gather, it was really similar to that. But it's just difficult to keep people apart. And from what I heard and saw online, there were quite a few people without masks. I even saw a pretty large group of people not six feet apart waiting in line for what looked to be like a merch tent. The problem here is that without those rules being enforced and people actually enacting them, bigger sponsors and larger productions for things like this just won't exist. It's not a matter of what you think is right or wrong or even what is right or wrong. Those are the rules and if you don't follow them, larger scale drive-in shows won't happen. And if those can't even happen, we're still a long, long way from regular concerts ever coming back. Beartooth released a statement after the show where they mentioned, quote, we took the proper precautions to make this happen and you listened. I mean, hopefully most people were socially distanced and wearing masks and this went really well, but I did see and hear some things that signaled to me that even events like these will be difficult to make happen consistently. My Chemical Romances, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge, made its way back onto the Top 200 chart this week. It's wild because so many new bands in the scene can't even get their own album to debut on the chart, and MCR is doing it with an album that's about to turn 16 years old. By far the only band to ever come from our world that has this kind of power. It currently sits at number 185 on the chart this week. The album has spent a total of 79 weeks on it since its release. I don't have a breakdown for how many units the album moved altogether this past week since it was so low on the chart, but it can be assumed that it was almost all from streaming. It's just so wild to see how MCR have a true stan community that mobilizes the way pop stars and some rappers have. My Chemical Romance fan cams exist, and that's just insane. I did a marathon deep dive with the MC Army's leader herself, Cassie Witt, earlier this year if you want to get up to date on the band's pre-pandemic history. In other news, Atreyu are going to release their first music without former frontman Alex Varkitsaz. I think I butchered that. This Friday, Alex left the band last month. It looks like the song is called Save Us, and the band posted a teaser of it on Twitter, and it actually sounds pretty heavy from the 10-second clip, but we'll see. You know how those go. I haven't really been a fan of any of their comeback stuff. Long Live was okay, but In Our Wake felt super forced and unnatural for the band. I'm hoping for a bit of a, a return to form for them from here on out. 
But that does it for this week's news. On to our radio rundown. We're actually going to start at top 40 this week with MGK's My Ex's Best Friend featuring Black Bear at number 43. It's up 10 spots from 53 last week. This is going to be a really interesting one to watch. I mean, can MGK get pop punk a top 40 radio hit? We're going to have to see from now through the end of the year. That's how long this one is going to slow burn if it's going to make a big impact. Over at Alternative Radio, All Time Low is still number one. This is turning into quite a run for them, and it's carrying over into streaming momentum. The track just passed 23.5 million plays on Spotify, and they're just about to cross 5 million monthly listeners too, so that's really cool to see. MGK's Bloody Valentine is still sitting at number two. I mean, it's odd. Like, the song just, just kind of stalled out here. I'm wondering if it will ever get to number one now, but we'll keep an eye on it. I don't know how, but they found me's Leave Me Alone makes another jump this week from 12 to number 9, giving the X Panic at the Disco and Falling in Reverse Duo their first alt radio top 10. I've got a lot of confidence this song can break the top 5, and who knows how high once they're there. I Prevail are holding steady at number 8 over at Rock Radio this week. They would have moved up at least one spot, but that new ACDC song is literally going to debut inside the top five this week, which is absolutely insane. Bring Me the Horizon's Parasite Eve is at 17, just holding steady in the high teens. Asking Alexandria's They Don't Want What We Want makes another jump this week from 22 to 19. Expect this to keep going pretty safely inside the top 10. Bad Omens break even at number 22, but they're still up in plays, so we still aren't seeing a decrease in momentum, which is good. Like I said, if it wasn't for ACDC, they'd be up another spot, so we'll keep an eye on this one too. I'm, I'm still really interested in it. Motionless and White's Killers cover drops from 31 to 34. Still can't figure out what's going on with this one. Pretty unusually large fluctuations over the last few weeks, but hopefully it starts moving in the right direction soon. Fit for a King are holding steady at 37. They're breaking even there this week, and they're increasing in place, so they'll definitely take that. All right, that does it for this week's radio rundown. On to our deep dive. Last week on part one of Sonny Moore, Emo Rockstars, and the story of From First to Last, we covered the band's history up to Sonny's scene-shattering departure announcement in 2007. So at that point, despite many breakup rumors, the band were continuing on and preparing to release what would be their self-titled album on Suretone Records. Suretone was an imprint of Interscope run by former Geffen CEO Jordan Schur. They put out major label albums by Newfound Glory, Angels and Airwaves, and even Drop Dead Gorgeous, and then others who were completely removed from the scene. So despite the nightmare that Capitol Records turned into, FFTL still got their major label release with Suretone. The first song we got from the band after Sonny left was Two Is One in November of 2007. To me, this is still top five FFTL songs of all time. The winding riffs, massive hook, climactic post-chorus, and bridge. This is exactly what I hear when I think of major label Screamo. They put out a two-single promo EP after this with We All Turned Back to Dust and I Once Was Lost But Now I'm Profound. The album officially dropped on May 6th with Worlds Away being the official single and actually getting some rock radio play at the time. You could tell they were trying to write 
big rock songs on this album that played both sides of the fence for the scene and for radio. Worlds Away is the perfect example. It's dark, emo-ish, but it's a ballad that was used as the album's big single push. There was also a huge video game soundtrack push for the album, and a bunch of songs were on EA's Facebreaker fighting game, Two is One and Worlds Away were on NASCAR 2009, NHL 2009, and Madden 2009, and I Once Was Lost was on Need for Speed Undercover. So a lot of weird kind of promo there, but I mean, I played Two is One on repeat on NASCAR 2009 throughout that year. But there were so many things that contributed to the failure of this record, and it really is a shame because it's a great album. But between their star vocalist leaving, previous major label folding, and Sherto not knowing how to properly push albums, it was just doomed from the start. By late 2008, the band announced they were taking a break from touring for a small time, During that time, Travis Richter and drummer Derek Bloom wrote and recorded the first official Color of Violence album, Euthanize, which came out in April 2009 on Epitaph. The band also toured for a short time, and both Chris Lent and John Syverson were on drums at separate points. Chris drummed for I Set My Friends on Fire, along with From First to Last, and John drummed for Daughters, which I think is a really cool connection. Now, this isn't a Sunny Moore deep dive, but while I was doing research for the episode, I dug up some of his immediate post-FFTL timeline. So after he left the band, he started doing various electronic projects. His main one initially was Sunny, which he released an EP for called Gypsy Hook. The thing is, he was immediately signed to Atlantic for this. The rumor is the label wanted to make him the next Gerard Way, and Sunny didn't want to do that. You gotta remember at this point, Mike Chem were at their commercial peak on the Black Parade cycle. So even though most majors were jumping ship on anything emo, anyone who was looking could see the star potential in Sunny. But he just wanted to make electronic music. So he released the Gypsy Hook EP and they basically just shelved him. Then he started gaining momentum with Skrillex on MySpace with his remix of Lady Gaga's Bad Romance and some other original demos. He self-released the My Name is Skrillex EP after Gypsy Hook and then signed to Atlantic's EDM imprint, Big Beat Records, for Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites. But the rest of that is for a Skrillex deep dive that we will absolutely get to at some point. But back to FFTL. The band spent most of 2009 on sporadic tours and writing for what would be thrown to the wolves. In October of that year, Matt Good released a statement on MySpace announcing that they had signed to Rise Records. The statement read, I want to announce officially that we've signed with Rise Records. We are all very excited about this move and think that together with Rise we can accomplish amazing things. If you're asking yourself why we made the change, well, there's a lot of aspects about being on a major label that just didn't agree with the way we like to present our band and our music, and I think that by ridding ourselves of that world, we are finally going to set ourselves free to make the best music we can, and that is the most important thing for us at the end of the day. So in 2009, the band had quite a few tour mishaps that sparked more rumors of breakups. Matt released another statement addressing their current situation late in that year. He essentially said there wasn't anything wrong and they were just taking needed time to finish their next album, even though, as we'll see in a second, there were definitely some new internal issues. But here's what he said. 
guys, we're not breaking up. No worries. We just came home from the tour early because we have to finish our record before our next tour with Alasana, and our time frame was looking pretty small and stressful, so Rise suggested we come home a little early. It will result in our record being the best it can be, which is our number one priority right now. I hope everyone can understand. They dropped what would be the first song from Throne to the Wolves, Going Lohan, on MySpace in November 2009, but a few months later, in early January of 2010, Travis Richter posted on uh, MySpace a message saying that he had been told to leave the band. So, in other words, he was kicked out. Here's what he said. It kind of just grew and grew until the dudes parted ways with me. I'd never just up and leave FFTL. I feel like they thought it was their time to move away from me, so they just told me to leave. And that was literally all he said. I, I don't even remember what people's responses were at the time, but we were all pretty dumbfounded in short. But the band themselves didn't say a word for weeks either, until late January when Matt Good released a statement on FFTL's MySpace. It read, Since the news has become public, I thought I'd take a minute to address it before wild rumors started flying around, which this isn't part of the statement, but that was kind of bullshit. Like, we, <laughs> we were wondering when the hell you were going to say something. But back to the statement. Travis has been with us since the beginning and will always be someone I care about deeply. Unfortunately, though, as time goes on, sometimes people grow apart from each other. There's many things I could say, but they're a rather personal, and I don't think they need to be discussed here. This band is and always will be about making music with my friends. We don't give a fuck about fame or money or anything. It's about doing what we love together as a family. We aren't breaking up and we aren't changing our name. As long as we are making music, we are proud of and having fun together. This band will continue to exist. We wish the best to Travis and everything he does and he is still a friend to us. I want everyone to understand that this wasn't done out of hate or spite or any other negative emotion. The vibe needed to be creative together was just gone. It happens, it's sad and all, but that's just life. Anyone old enough to have personal relationships knows that people split ways all the time. That's how life is and it isn't going to change. We appreciate everyone who has stuck by this band's side through all these years. If this upsets you so greatly that you feel you can't listen to us anymore, that's okay and we understand. We still love you anyway. Just know that when bands make these decisions, they are always a last resort. No one wants to have to kick out a member of their band. It is never easy and always incites drama, but sometimes you have to make really hard decisions. It's part of being an adult. So then, in a wild turn of events, Travis became the vocalist of the prog metalcore band The Human Abstract and released their fantastic album, Digital Veil, but his stint in the band was super quick and he was literally out by 2011. But back to FFTL. The first half of 2010 was also a very wild time for this band. They released Throne of the Wolves on March 16th through Rise Records. There wasn't much of a push for the album, even though it's by far the band's most underrated release. Matt Good did not give a fuck on this album, and he wrote some of the band's best songs of their career on it. Check out some of these lyrics. On Cashing Out, he said, What will people think now that Christians bought up hardcore and Disney owns the punk scene? On Elvis said Ambition was a V8 engine. He said, Getting sued by my friends taught me that I can't pretend I'm immune to the rules of adulthood. I'd rather be a starving artist than a wealthy critic. I'd rather be a space cadet than bitter and jaded, brain dead and rewarded for it like everyone else my age is. And he definitely went too far on the He-Man Women Haters Club, which just further proves the misogyny that helped prop the scene up back in the day. He's saying, 
A blonde in a short skirt, no bra, and a thong. She can be fun to make eyes at, not bring home to your mom. I want a girl that can talk. I want a girl that can think. Not someone I'm ashamed of every time that they speak. I want a girl that takes pride in the strength of her mind, and even more so if the sentiment can be justified. I'm sure now, as a husband and a father, Matt would definitely take that song back if he could. But Throne was an even further fall from Self-Titled's disappointing commercial performance. It sold around 4,000 units first week and didn't even chart on the top 200, which made it their first album to not chart since Dear Diary. The band went out on a few small tours in support of Throne, but it was only about four months until Matt made the announcement that From First to Last would be going on hiatus. In July of 2010, he wrote, Hey guys, just wanted to take a minute to update you all with the current status of FFTL. As of right now, we are basically going on hiatus. Now, before everyone starts jumping to conclusions, I just want to make sure everyone knows me and the other members of the band are all still very, very close. We have been best friends for years and will continue to be for as long as I could possibly foresee. So I don't want anyone to think this is a result of animosity between them and I. There is nothing but love between us. This is mostly a decision based on a changing of times and the desire to start pursuing new things in our lives. This band has been the center of our lives for our entire adulthood to date. Four full-length albums and almost eight years of solid touring later, the urge to see what else we are capable of achieving is almost overwhelming, and I feel that there is no better time than now to go ahead and take a leap of faith and see what happens. Just know from first to last is responsible for everything I have in my life, good and bad, and as far as I'm concerned, it will probably continue to exist until I am too old to do it anymore or dead. We love every single person that has ever helped our, make our dream of being musicians and traveling the world come true. I know without the people who supported us, we would be nothing, and I am eternally grateful for everything. Just know we aren't going to let you guys down, and we still plan on making music at some point in the future when it makes sense for all of us. For now, just keep a lookout for new projects and future endeavors from all of us. Thanks for an incredible eight years. So, what happened next? Literally the day after Matt made the announcement of FFDL's hiatus, Craig Owens revealed that he would be joining his new band, Destroy Rebuild Until God Shows, with Aaron Stern of Matchbook Romance, Nick Martin of Underminded, who now plays in Sleeping with Sirens, and Adam Russell of Story of the Year. I won't turn this into a drugs deep dive, but as most of you know, drugs signed to Pete Wentz's label, Decadence. They recorded their only full-length album with John Feldman. Craig Owens allegedly, I said allegedly, slept with Pete's wife, Ashley Simpson, and everything fell apart for Craig all over again. The story behind the scenes is really how much Pete helped Craig. You can watch videos online of Pete literally performing with Craig in Cinematic Sunrise. Their friendship began way before drugs, and then Pete signed him and was really the one who built the band for Craig, and then Craig went and threw it all away. I mean, the drama was just absolutely unreal. But again, that is a different deep dive for another time. Back to Matt Good. He left Drugs in 2012, but he did write material for Drugs with Craig that has never come out. Then, at one other point, he said Craig was the only one still associated with Drugs. He, Nick Martin, and Stern were going to form their own band without Craig. But all that eventually ended. Craig put the final nail in the Chiodos coffin, and Matt went silent for a minute. But... Fast forward to late 2013, and Matt announced that the band would be reuniting with himself, 
Travis Richter, Derek Bloom, and Matt Manning, which was essentially the self-titled lineup. Our good old buddy, Matt Crane, broke the news of the reunion with an interview with Matt Good on Alternative Press. He even got Matt to talk about Sonny, and he said that he had actually reached out to him, asking if he wanted to be a part of the comeback, but he hadn't received a reply. They launched a Kickstarter in order to fund the creation of the release themselves. Their goal was $25,000, and they ended up raising over $30,000. By the time it was over, Bloom had already left, but they made an announcement nobody saw coming. Periphery frontman Spencer Sotelo would be the vocalist for their upcoming project, and it would be a full length, not just an EP. They actually all went out on tour with Black Veil Brides, Falling in Reverse, Set It Off, and William Control before dropping anything for the album. They put out a new re-recorded version of Note to Self with Spencer on vocals for the song's 10-year anniversary, but we didn't hear anything again from the band as far as new music goes until November 24th, 2014, when they dropped the first single from the album, Dead Trees. I remember the response from fans being a bit mixed. I think the addition of Spencer threw a huge wrench into people's expectations for this album. When I listen to it now, it makes way more sense to me than it did back then. Spencer sounds very similar to what Sonny was evolving into on Heroin. But back then, it felt super random and just not from first to last. I think throwing a guy in from a prog metal band to from first to last, and he was in a modern band, I think there was just too much of a disconnect there. Anyways, Dead Trees was released on April 23rd, 2015 through Sumerian Records. Again, this is not a bad album, but it's definitely not FFTL. The hook in black and white will still get stuck in my head every once in a while, and Back to Hanale is a fun emo ballad, even though it was an obvious stab trying to bring back some Emily magic. From what I can dig up, Dead Trees didn't chart and only did around 1,800 units first week, which is not great in any way you spin it. And then FFTL went dark again after this cycle. We didn't hear anything for a little while. That is, until one fateful night on July 30th in 2016, when Sonny Moore played an unreleased from first to last song on his Beats One radio show. But he played the song without context. It was the last of the show that night, and he said it was a, quote, bonus track. I'll never forget this night. This was the last big story I worked on while I was at Alternative Press. I remember first finding out that it happened in the post-hardcore subreddit and thinking it was just a troll post. Then I clicked and someone had found a rip of the audio from the show and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. We were the first outlet to post about it and even though it 100% sounded like Sunny, I didn't have any confirmation that it wasn't just an old song that they had recorded a while back. So I went with the headline, from first to last, reuniting with Sunny Moore, question mark, hear possible new song. And that shit just took the fuck off. Anyone who is familiar with analyzing website traffic is familiar with bell curve trends of stories, especially with social media referrals specifically. Usually page views go up, peak, and they come back down the exact same way. But if you get a real story, present it in the right way, page views per minute only go up, and that's exactly what happened here. The Facebook post of the article had over 30,000 shares on it alone. It felt like the scene was actually having a real moment again. You can probably count the amount of true moments the scene had over the last 10 years on two hands, and this was absolutely one of them. I'll never forget that day. And then the next day, Spencer announced that he was no longer in the band. He replied to a fan asking if he'd be on the next FFTL release, and he replied, I found out the same way you did. Guess not. 
I wrote a story about this tweet and he fucking called us out for it. Quick sidebar here. Bands, if you don't want headlines and stories written about what you say, keep your fucking mouths shut. Anyways, Sonny gave us this teaser and then there was nothing for months. Then out of nowhere, literally the weekend Matt and I recorded the first episode of Note to Scene, Make War dropped. And it was the closure that every emo kid was searching for. The song is a fucking banger through and through. Sonny rightfully asserted himself on his emo throne, and for a brief moment, everything felt right in the world. I mean, the song even has fucking Travis Barker playing drums on it. On February 7th, the band played their first show back with Sonny and Derek Bloom at an emo night event in Los Angeles. Then, for the most part, things went quiet again. The band played another random show with Sonny, but there was a lot of radio silence until July of 2018 when the band dropped their second comeback song with Sonny called Surrender. Another straight banger through and through. Classic Love Lost lyrics. Sonny sounds fantastic. Super straightforward. Just drive the point home track. And fast forward to current day since then, we're back to radio silence. Matt Good has confirmed that there is one more song that they recorded with Sonny that still hasn't been released, but it seems like Sonny just doesn't have any interest in making it a consistent thing, even if it's just something small, maybe once a year. Matt has said that it just doesn't make sense to do the band without Sonny at this point, so they're just kind of at his will. I could sense some frustrations again over the last few years. It seems like Sonny has ghosted them a couple times. But Matt produces rock radio hits for Asking Alexandria and multiple other bands now. Richter started a throwback Screamo supergroup with a bunch of SoundCloud rappers that I've talked about on the show a lot called If I Die First. He also does a random color violence shit every once in a while, and he opened a venue on the West Coast too. It's kind of a bummer ending to From First to Last Story, but I think the best thing to take away from it is that it isn't over. Someday that other Sunny song will come out, and I do believe at some point we'll get some more new music from them. Like I started with a dive last week, this band was so important to the scene. FFTL itself and then what the members have done outside of the band have touched shit so far removed from the scene. The reach and impact here is undeniable and I am so, so thankful for this band. And that does it for the first to last deep dive. Next week, we have the saga that was Woe Is Me and Issues. Get ready because that one is gonna be a wild ride. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any requests for deep dives, email me at notetoscene at gmail.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Note to Scene on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please drop a review on iTunes. I'd appreciate it very much. Until next week, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.